Have you finished your personal statement yet? Now's the perfect time to get it professionally reviewed by a medical school HQ expert advisor. We have former directors of admissions, admissions officers, and the like on our small team of amazing people. They have the inside knowledge from reading thousands and thousands and thousands, tens, if not 100,000 personal statements going through the process and setting up the process for their whole committee. They know exactly what medical schools look for and the common red flags that can get your entire application thrown out. Take advantage of our flash sale right now, going through May 6th, up to 6,000 characters reviewed for just $150. That's a $75 discount on our regular price. Go to editmyps.com. Again, that's editmyps.com. The Pre-Med Year, session number 506. Hello, and welcome to The Pre-Med Years, where we believe that collaboration, not competition, is key to your success. I'm your host, Dr. Ryan Gray, and in this podcast, we share with you stories, encouragement, and information that you need to know to help guide you on your path to becoming a physician. Welcome to The Pre-Med Years. Thank you so much for joining me today. I have a great guest, but before we jump into that, I want to talk about the MCAT Minutes brought to you by Blueprint. MCAT. If you are looking to take the MCAT at the beginning of 2023 as we're recording this, you need to go register quickly because spots are being taken up. As we speak, historically, the AAMC opens up MCAT registration kind of mid to late October every year for the beginning of the year MCAT tests that following year. And that as that has opened. So go register for a test. And if you are undecided on whether or not you're ready to take the test, that's probably because you haven't taken a diagnostic yet. And don't worry. Yes, you're supposed to not do that great on a diagnostic. So go over to blueprintmcat.com, sign up for their free account, get their half-length diagnostic for free, as well as their amazing study planner tool. So once you get that half-length diagnostic score back, you can create the perfect schedule for you. Again, that's blueprintmcat.com. All that stuff I just talked about is free, except for registering for the MCAT. <laughs> that costs some money, but Blueprint MCAT doesn't charge you for that. That's the AAMC. Uh, <laughs> that's the MCAT Minute brought to you by Blueprint MCAT. Go over there right now. All right, our guest today is going to talk about her journey to medical school with a disability. Now, some of you out there may be struggling with a disability of your own, whether seen or unseen, kind of out in the public or kind of internal. We, we never know what anyone is dealing with. And so we're going to have a great conversation today with Emma. Emma, welcome to the pre-med year. Thanks for joining me. I'm happy to be here. I'm so excited to hear your successful journey into medical school. After I met you at a at a conference several years ago and and talking to you and now finally getting you on the podcast to share a success journey. I, I love success journeys. Um so thanks thanks for being here. Of course, very full circle moment. Very full circle. So, I love to start out. When did you first realize you wanted to be a doctor? So it was, I was in an accident my freshman year of high school and my stepfather's a physician, but I had no interest in being a physician growing up. I, my siblings are special needs. I grew up in the healthcare, just wasn't for me growing up. And then I was 
in a trauma one center for about three weeks where it was a teaching residency center. And all of a sudden it was like light bulbs were going off. And I was like, this is what I want to do. We didn't know the extent to my injury. So it wouldn't be till probably four, five years later that I even started pursuing it though. Yeah. And was that because you just didn't know if you could or or what the, as you said, right, the extent of your injuries, if it was going to be a physical possibility, is that why it took so long to figure it out? Um, so it's more of once we realized the extent, mm-hmm. um, we realized I would most likely be in a wheelchair for the rest of my life. And I'm from the Central Valley, where it's an extremely underrepresented area. And we had never seen anyone with a physical disability as a physician yeah. and not, and medicine's extremely strenuous. And we weren't sure if I could even make it through medical school, let yeah. alone residency. So I actually broke even my, my parents kind of got to me and they're like, how about you become a computer scientist and create <laughs> technology for healthcare? Did that for a while was not for me. Yeah. Yeah. How long did you do that before realizing that it wasn't for you? Like, did you graduate college and went down that path as a career or, or was that just like you, you dabbled in it for studies and then we're like, yeah, no. So I was actually very lucky. I I graduated high school really young because of my injury. I kind of just focused on school. So I graduated as a 16 year old. Mm. And so I was a computer science major for three years and I did an internship and it actually wasn't until after I worked, I worked with the Walt Disney company. I did their um, engineering program Mm -hmm. and I got back and I was told next internships, all yours. I didn't get it. And I had like a realization moment of like, if that's the only place I would be happy doing this, this isn't the field for me. Yeah, I should be, I should want to do this no matter where I'm at, whether it's three feet in the ocean or in a random dark alley. And if the only place I'm happy is a fortune 500 company that spews happiness, (laughs) it's not for me. And it just so happened at that time, I was a part of a mentoring program. And I was surrounded by pre-med, pre-PA, pre-nursing students. And it just reminded me how badly I wanted to do it. And I remember telling my mom and she, my mom was like, well, what do you want to do then? Like you're so far in. I go, I just want to be a doctor. Yeah. <laughs> I just want to be a doctor. And so I started pursuing it at around 19, which is about when most people did it. So yeah, I'm like graduating with a lot of my peers from high school. So it's, it's, it was like, I was in it for a while, but I was also lucky that it didn't have an impact on my education and my, like how long it takes me to get there. Yeah. That's awesome. So the, the first question that comes to mind is someone who is in a wheelchair uh, and as you mentioned, right, being in the Central Valley, uh, wherever you are, doesn't you don't have to be in a medically underserved area to not see a lot of physicians in wheelchairs. What was that beginning stages for you of inquiring? Like, is this even a possibility? Will a medical school accept 
someone in a wheelchair? How did how did you start to figure that out? Google. <laughs> <laughs> I Googled that night that I was like, mom, I just want to be a doctor. I Googled physicians in wheelchairs. And there's this New York Times article called, yes, I'm in a wheelchair. And yes, I'm your physician. And I realized I can do this. She talked about how they have developed like standing wheelchairs for surgeons and how there's still so much to go. And so I went, I can do this. Let's go. And my stepfather's a physician, but he's very, and he's like, I had to work for it. So you have to work for it. So he was like emotional support, but like I had to find all this opportunities shadowing everything and the hardest part that like gave me the most stress wasn't school in the beginning because I had to completely start over it was calling I I believe and I tell my students like politely dead call places and like hi I'm a student at Cal State I'm pre-med do you accept students for shadowing and they would get so excited. They would say yes. And then I would get to the point where I'm like, I am in a wheelchair. It shouldn't impede my ability, but I do just want you to be aware. And so many shadowing opportunities got denied to me because of it. And they're like, I don't think you'll fit in our rooms. And I don't think you'll be able to get around our clinic. Yeah. And it was heartbreaking because I was like shadowing is such like that's one thing through all my research I'm like I need shadowing Mm -hmm. to get into med school and the Central Valley so underserved it's not like we had programs set up at that time and so it was really on me and it wasn't until we have an orthopedic institute it was my first shadowing opportunity they had a shadowing program set up for pre-PA. So my first shadowing was with physicians associates, mm-hmm. all different fields. I got OR hours. I was there basically full time for a month. And I went, I'm willing to fight tooth and nail for shadowing opportunities, even if it's just for two hours once a week or two hours one day ever. I'm willing to do this because this, every case was so interesting and it just real. I, I hadn't felt that passionate about something in a while yeah so here's here's a question why if someone's like yes we would love to have you shadow why tell them over the phone why not just show up and go surprise here i am <laughs> and like down here you got to look down i'm in the wheelchair like why why not show up just as yourself because no one else would would say oh by the way i'm five foot five. Oh, by the way i have red hair oh by the way right whatever their limitations are whatever their whatever is right is is that something uh and i hope this helps someone listening is that something that you're trying to potentially uh like save some embarrassment for you or for them, like showing up and then being rejected there? Or was it just a, a simple logistics? Like, hey, like I know that not every building, not every hallway, not every doorway helps uh, or works for me, and I just want to make sure before I show up. I, I, because if it were me, like if it were me, and I, I, have, a, I have a child with a disability, and I'm going to be dealing with this for the rest of my life as a parent, 
if it were me, I would show up. And if they wouldn't, <laughs> if they couldn't accommodate me, then I, <laughs> I would throw a fit. <laughs> and maybe that's super childish, but that's what I would do. I have thrown fits when it came to working. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm a barista and I spent nine, not, not nine years, like three years. <laughs> Sorry. I don't know where the number nine <laughs> came from. I spent three years trying to get a job at a pretty popular coffee chain. And I was told maybe after some physical therapy and all I was asking was a chair. And I like, I like kept myself together as much as possible. And I just started crying. I couldn't even control it. Cause I was like, you just told me I was the perfect applicant and you have seven stores that want me. Mm-hmm. And you're telling me go get physical therapy. Like what yeah. right do you have to tell me that? However, yeah. I think this is where having a stepfather in healthcare, he would not let me shadow him. He would not let me scribe. And it was truly because I think he didn't even, it was for the better, you know, like I have friends that shadow, he's an emergency room physician, but something he would tell me, cause this was at a period in my life where we really didn't know how long this would be, mm. or if I could do it, he was like, Emma, like, you can't get around the ER. You, you're going to be in the way. Like, I love you and I want this for you and I will help you. Like, if you really are struggling that bad, I will see who's getting opportunities. But the ER is just not for you. Maybe when you're out of the wheelchair more or forearm crutches, but it's just not a safe environment. And so... The ER is like an extreme example, but I applied that mentality to every office I still call. Mm. And that respect of letting them know, because I'm also aware being short is common. Um, Being, having red hair is common. It's not going to throw it off. There was probably, yes, I was trying to prevent myself from being embarrassed because I have been told I have been in a situation on my own campus where I am an advocate for disability students in my science program. I have been stuck on a fourth floor and had to be like put into a separate wheelchair and had police have to bring me downstairs as a full blown adult. It is mortifying. So I'd rather just be told no. And then there's also why would I want to shadow someone that won't even consider me over the phone when I'm giving you proper like, hey, I'm in a wheelchair. It is to my body. It would take up about as much room as me. Um, I'm just making sure your facilities ADA accessible would usually be like how I phrase it. Mm -hmm. And they would be like, yeah, but two wheelchairs in a room might be really difficult if the patient's in a wheelchair. And at that point, they're not accommodating me. So if they're not even willing to accommodate me, why would I want to shadow yeah. them? And so I'd rather go to, I got to shadow several um, specialties and each one of them was so excited to like see me pursuing this because they hadn't seen it before. And so it also helped me filter and I ended up, it gave me like a mindset that helped me for applications and like learning how to filter and 
that was just my first experience and like you know what what's even the point why would i want to put myself in that environment yeah did you when you were googling around and you you uh there there are a few physicians i know there's one surgeon who i think was in an accident during his residency um and he was able to get a a modified wheelchair that can lift him up at the the surgical table which is phenomenal uh i know there's a harvard student i don't know if he's still a student anymore a former military vet who was injured uh in the war and was in a wheelchair um those are the only two that i know of off the top of my head um but obviously i'm sure there are other physicians who are in wheelchairs did you reach out to any of them to say hey I am also in a wheelchair. I also want to pursue this path. Will you be a mentor? Can you give me any guidance? Did, did you reach out to any of them? I reached out to the woman who wrote, yes, I'm a physician. And yes, I'm in a wheelchair. Um, she mentioned a Harvard physician and I reached out to her and um, she had cerebral palsy and it developed while she was in med school. So it was a slightly different situation because I was really worried about how I was going to, at that point, I was worried about how I was going to appear to schools and to departments and all of this. So I was looking for a mentor that went through it and she developed it while in medical school, she became wheelchair dependent while in medical school. And she currently works at Harvard. And she referred me to one of her students that was applying that cycle. And we talked and they referred me to someone at Michigan, who's a part of like creating accommodations for the AAMC and students and amazing papers. But there wasn't really a lot I knew of stories, but I didn't know of names Yeah, and I couldn't find, or if I did know a name, I couldn't find them. And so I kind of learned that first like semester was really hard. I was taking chemistry when I've never taken, I was taking a college level chemistry course when I had never taken chemistry. And I kind of just realized, like I got a little bit of information and I realized I'm just going to have to create the information. I'm just going to have to create the resources because I don't go to a pre-med school. We have a lot of pre-meds, but no pre-med resources. Hmm. And so I kind of just learned I have to create this information myself. And if that's what I'm going to do, I'm going to, I like, at the end of that first semester, I like started creating Instagrams and re- and like I'm going to just post my story mm-hmm. and hopefully people will reach out to me and give me information. I can redo it. And as time goes on, I'll learn more. And that's kind of the mentality I had to put myself through mm-hmm. to be able to get through this process. Yeah. So when I met you at the UC Davis conference several years ago, pre pre pandemic, Obviously, there's a large contingent of medical schools that are there that are tabling and recruiting students. Did you go up to them and say, hey, like, I'm interested in your medical school? And obviously, they, they see you in a wheelchair. Were you how how I'm, I'm sure you're you're kind of acutely aware of facial expressions and other things of, of how people react to you? What? What was that experience like interacting with schools at a big conference like that? 
So I've gone to two pre-med conferences mm -hmm. and they were the semester before, which was like my first semester where I was seeing if I was even good at this, mm -hmm. seeing if this is something I can um, pursue. And then I went to UC Davis. And if you haven't been to UC Davis's conference, it is in the middle of a big grass field. Yes, very accommodating. And I am in a weird, <laughs> extremely, not to mention a lot of the like resources that I wanted to go to, I had to go through other buildings that were ADA accessible to get to the non-accessible buildings. And it's just not an accommodating. UC Davis was not that positive of an experience for me because they were seeing me going like this, like on uneven terrain, mm -hmm. bumping around, having someone push me mm -hmm. because I was, I was in a manual wheelchair, but I am in the most uneven ground possible. I came with like a stack of resumes. I had my questions. I had a list of schools that I knew I wanted to hit at the time. Um, I was watching America Rivera on YouTube and you, you two were like my, I was like, I'm just going to go down this med school content rabbit hole and just see where they're going and see what's good. And I had a list of schools and I don't think there was, um, the only school I had a pretty good experience with was Idaho mm -hmm. and Burrell. And both of those schools I met at LMSA the semester prior. And so they were like, you're back. And we were able to have a conversation and LMSA's conference is in their medical school on stable four. And I was able to get around myself. Ironically, the only other school that I had a really amazing experience with was UC Riverside. Hmm. And it's because they were the only school when I went what does disabilities look like at your school? Do you feel like it's easy to get around? They're like, oh, we have a club of students who are disabled students. Wow. No other school had that. And so immediately from those two conferences, I had my top five schools, not because they were had research programs I was interested in or their um, like, their morals were aligned with mine. Mm -hmm. It's because they treated me like a person. I had some schools that were like, mm, you're not good for our, our, our medical school program. How about our master's instead mm -hmm. or our PhD program instead? And that's unfortunately how I kind of created my list was because LMSA had a completely different interaction, but being at UC Davis, where it is extremely unaccessible, that portion of the conference, mm -hmm. immediately how they viewed me went down and I recognized it because mm. there were even the one thing I recommend is never been down to someone in a wheelchair to make eye contact. And I had an more than I could count amount of schools that they bent down and they're supposed to be representing medical schools. And it was just really embarrassing as a 19 year old new to this um, like dream. I'm surrounded by people who want to be doctors their entire life. And they're definitely entering with like they're freshmen and can start off. I was entering pre-med with a two nine GPA and I was terrified and I'm having recruiters been down to look at me and I'm on grass and I'm uneven. It was, it was not a fun experience, 
but it taught me something on like what I'm looking for in a school. Mm -hmm. Interesting. But before we hit record, you had talked about looking more at osteopathic schools versus allopathic schools. Can you talk about the rationale behind the, the schools that you were looking at? So for me, the big thing was mind, body, spirit. I know that's like the three tenets of osteopathic medicine. And I know that. Um, I have this weird dark sense of humor when it comes to my accident. But I was also the most optimistic patient in that building. I was always excited. I always was uplifted. And I think that's the reason I've been able to recover as much as I did. And so when doing research into osteopathic medicine, to see that as a core and to see that the, you know, well-rounded review and all of this, it made me go, these are the schools that are going to be looking at me as a whole. Mm -hmm. We'll look at my story. We'll, because that, at that point, when I was preparing for the MCAT, my GPA had not hit a 3-3 yet. And I was working my darndest to bring it up. I knew what my red flags were. And I'm like, I want to go somewhere that will look at me because of my story and my passion, not just because I did well in organic chemistry. <laughs> and I found that most of those schools that I was leaning to and was doing research and I felt supported at were osteopathic schools for me. I know several of my peers that for them, those were allopathic schools. It's just, that's how the cards played on the table for me. Yeah. Talk about, you briefly mentioned Caribbean schools before we hit record. What? How much did Caribbean schools come into play for you? So I, in my town, our residency center are mostly Caribbean students mm. and our school since my, my university doesn't have a med school correlated with it. So most of our students, um, we have a lot of Caribbean schools around it. So originally I wasn't planning on applying Caribbean and I didn't do too hot. I had to take my MCAT twice mm -hmm. and I didn't do too hot on my MCAT, but I refused to pull my app. I took my MCAT June of the season that I was applying mm -hmm. and I refused to take out my app. I'm like, no, I am going to go through this application process. And so around August, I went, if there's one school that I'm going to apply to, it's Ross because I know they're, they're students and I know several people from Bakersfield and I would feel comfortable going there. I applied there. I got in and they fully supported me. And I asked them about disability, all of that. Basically what came down to it, I retook my MCAT and I got interviews and I was extremely excited. Unfortunately, Caribbean schools just did not have the healthcare that I needed for while I'm in medical school as a student. Yeah. And that's truly what it came down to. Um, I need a pain management physician that is specialized in anesthesiology. And they did not have that. I would have to have flown back home every six months or every three to six months. I was gonna have to change my medication. And me and my physician came up with a plan because at that time, that's really all, that's where I was going. 
and they offered me a scholarship and I was fully prepared to go. And then my, I retook my MCAT. My MCAT went up by five points. And all of a sudden, my top four schools all reevaluated me. Besides the school I went to, they offered me an interview with my prior. I got a 497 and I went to a 502. Awesome. Crazy what a 502 can do because it I opens a lot more doors got, for you. <laughs> I was so frustrated. Like, I was like, yes. And then I was so frustrated because I'm like, are you serious? Five points? That's it. But, um, the school I'm going to, um, they interviewed me with a 497. In fact, I almost deleted their interview invite because it didn't say interview invite in the email. And so I almost deleted it. But every other school that interviewed me reevaluated my app with a 502. And I got interview invites almost immediately after reevaluation. Yeah. And they were my top schools. Yeah. And I... Luckily, I I was talking to the people at Ross, and they are so understanding and so sweet. And I was like, unfortunately, like healthcare, just unfortunately, I'm just not physically going to be able to go. Thank you for the scholarship and the opportunity. I'm so grateful. But I'm also everything worked out for a reason because I was I got accepted to Ross in October, and I didn't get interviewed with. I'll be going to Burrell, so. I didn't get interviewed with Burrell till January, two weeks before my second MCAT. Wow. And so many people talk about, I just knew, and I just thought that was something they said. <laughs> and I left that interview being like, this is where I'm going to go. I don't care if I'm going to be so much money in debt or I don't have a scholarship. This is where I'm going to go. And it was an unbelievable experience and so like i feel like caribbean schools are an option and i feel like so many people put them last mm. but sometimes that's just the situation and they do have the support i think it's all about specialty your situation and it's just person by person and so i definitely applied and i got in and i got a scholarship and it was a very tempting offer for me healthcare services just didn't allow me to go yeah what what was it about the inter before I ask that question were all of your interviews virtual and do you think potentially that helped you through this process number one because it's just it's easier than traveling uh, with a disability and number two you're able to just be on camera sitting down and someone doesn't have to see you and our own kind of implicit bias of like, oh, that person's in a wheelchair. I'm going to potentially think less of them because of that. Do you, do you think being on video, having virtual interviews helps in that situation? I think it does. The implicit bias yeah. side of it, 100% it does. Because all of a sudden, you're seen in the same light as all your other candidates. They don't have to move a chair for you. They don't have to see you roll in you're all sitting on zoom just yeah. like any other applicant we're all in our rooms with our blurred backgrounds or our green screens just having a great time and i think it definitely helped i all of my interviews were virtual mm. i did one pharmacy interview that was in person 
why pharmacy interview? So, (laughs) but Midwestern denied me for my MCAT. And what I found out about Midwestern is what they do for their dental program and their med school program is if you miss their interview threshold in one category, they immediately send you to the pharmacy program and the pharmacy program will accept you. That's the stupidest thing in the world. Like I applied to medical school, not pharmacy school. I, oh, you should have been in that interview room, dude. It was the saddest room because we all were like dental students in med school. I was just like, I'm a biochem It's a bunch major, of misfits. Maybe, yeah, I'm like, I'm a biochem major. So maybe this is where I'm meant to be. Maybe it's a sign. And I went and the entire room was like, did you apply to med school? Did you apply to dental school? And, and you knew Dad, it was a pharmacy MCAT? interview? Yeah. The, you know how they're like, why osteopathic medicine. Yeah. Why do you want to be a doctor? In the pharmacy interview, they went, what brought you into medicine? Like even the pharmacy program knew like this was not our first choice. That's pathetic. I got accepted. Of course you like, did. I got accepted. <laughs> everyone, I think everyone did. But here's the funny part. Six months, fast forward six months, saddest room I've ever been in. I'll just be real. Fast forward six months, I get reached out on TikTok by someone I interviewed with and they're like, you got into school? Me too. We don't need that pharmacy program. (laughs) Weirdest thing. But it's a weird, so everything, yeah, it was weird. And I kind of like, hey, I kind of, I'm like, hey, prepare to get like an email being like, do you want to transfer your application? Yeah. It's weird. That's weird. But it was definitely, um, but overall, like, I do think it made a difference because yeah. it definitely takes away that general implicit bias. It's another <laughs> another reason I love the virtual interviews. So, uh, Emma, as we, we're wrapping up here, what are you looking forward um, uh, least to in medical school uh, in terms of having a disability, being in medical school, all of the requirements of being in in your different rotations and all of that stuff what what are you most concerned about and and what are you doing to prepare for pushback that you may be getting along the way so there are three things i'm worried about one is usmle and complex accommodations i got accommodations for my mcat and something that i got pushed back in my own school was like you only did well because you got time and a half you only did well because your test was split over two days. I go, okay, well, you're also not on pain medication and you're not in a wheelchair and you don't, you're, you don't have a traumatic brain injury, X, Y, Z. And so I'm where I feel like that's just going to be elevated, but Burrell does a really good job of enforcing mentoring and class support. So I'm, I'm hoping that that's not an issue. And I already know by getting MCAT accommodations, that's just going to make complex and USMLE accommodations 10 times easier to get. Mm -hmm. The other thing I'm worried for is clinical and residency. Like I'm not even worried for the first two years. I'm going to a school that I believe I'm the first one with a physical disability to attend. Mm -hmm. And they already were like, what accommodations do you need? Let's get this paperwork started. Like, let's go. And it was fantastic and refreshing to hear. However, 
I went through many situations where physicians did not want me to shadow them. Yeah. And, um, and I, I had clinical hours where I was basically a CNA, but not certified. And I had, you know, floor staff purposefully not give me tasks because they didn't think I was capable of completing it. Yeah. And it was, I'm really worried. I'm going to enter that again. I realized the med school student bottom of the totem pole. I understand that, but I'm worried if I'm going in with two other peers into the same rotation, that they're going to get more opportunities than I do. I kind of relate it. I don't think medical dramas are a good representation of actual med school residency and all that. But all I can think about is the good doctor and the difference that he gets compared to his others. And I can 100% see that happening though, because it happened to me. Yeah. And I am so worried that that's going to impede, you know, my step, my step CKs, uh, my clinical tests. I'm worried that's going to affect how residencies choose me. That's what I'm scared about. But yeah. I know that I chose a school that's going to be supporting me and making sure that I am supported in every rotation site. I know I'm going to have to do more work when it comes to years three and four. Yeah. I know I'm going to have to do more work in research, just like I had to do more work in research in my applications. But I'm okay with that as long as I have a good support system. And I and hopefully I do. That's why I chose the school I'm going to. Yeah. What did your, your stepfather say when you got into Burrell? <laughs> um, I actually missed the phone call. That, um <laughs> I was at work when I got the phone call that I was pulled off the wait list and I just checked my email and it was there. So when I got home that night, I played the voicemail because, because I missed it. I had the voicemail. I played the voicemail for them because they saw me when I got waitlisted and I was so confident I was going to get in. I was like heartbroken because I it was right after my MCAT. I was worried I wasn't going to do well. And I played it for them and we all just freaked out. (laughs) And he looked at me and he's like, I told you so. You, he is my biggest advocate. He goes, no matter what your GPA was, no matter what your MCAT was, I knew you were going to get in because there's just such, I'm not trying to bolster myself, but he was like, there is just something where you want to change how medicine is and you want to make it more accessible. My whole spiel is we need more doctors with chronic illnesses Mm -hmm. so that they can advocate for patients with chronic illnesses. And he goes, you're going to change it and you're going to support it. And he goes, this is just the first step and it's going to be hard, but if anyone can do it, it's you. And I just remembered those words. It was like, I, I closed, so I didn't get home till like 1130. And I just remembered those words clear as day. And we have that talk over and over and over. And when I decided to defer, he was like, it's still going to happen. It's just going to be a year late. And that's okay. And it was it's something that I hold very close to my heart. Yeah. And why did you choose to defer? 
Um, I had several met, so it's like my entire body was holding on <laughs> until I got in. Yeah. And then I think the medical application, school process, all of it from starting MCAT, applying, taking the MCAT twice, how expensive it is working is so stressful. Yeah. And I think my body was like, we got to keep it together. Yep. We got to keep it together for yep. her. And then I got accepted and it was just one medical emergency after another yep. for about a month there. Okay. And like, I went like a year and a half with nothing, no problems yeah. and just one. And I emailed and I was like, I really don't want to defer, but is there an option? And I, it's for, it was 100% for the best. Cause I think after a week later of deciding to defer, I found out another thing that caused me to be forced to medically withdraw from the semester. Mm. So I'm still in school. I graduate this fall. I have a really light load though. Yeah. And it just, it worked out. It did. It did. Emma, what do you, what do you say to the student uh, who's listening to this, who may be struggling with their own disability, their, their own doubts uh, uh, along their journey to give them some motivation? It sounds so cheesy, but your passion is what's going to get you through it. You don't like, if you have a low GPA, low MCAT, if you care, you'll be able to study those late nights. You will be able to do those eight hour days, that test that you just, you just don't want to get up and take that other MCAT exam. You must, that, that reaction's just not clicking. Uh, you're tired of organic and biochem sequences and you just want to break that passion is what's going to get you through. It's going to get through the obvious discrimination all the hoops and barriers that you want, that you have to go through. And if you just remember that, if you just remember, I want this and I'm going to put my all into it, it's going to be worth it. It's going to be 10 times better in the end because you realize how much work you put into it. It's not going to feel like work. It's going to feel like a huge accomplishment from something you've been just trying to get up for years and just remember that passion story plays a huge role and just remember your story remember your passion remember your why and it will all work out truly all right so there you have it again emma talking about her journey to medical school and her acceptance and what that was like for her i hope this resonated with you a little bit to Deal with whatever you are dealing with uh, on your journey and knowing that nothing can hold you back. I hope you have a great week. Don't forget to check out blueprintmcat.com. We'll see you next time here on The Pre-Med Years. This is MedEd Media.